The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Kia ora and welcome to Paper Cuts. This is Paper Cuts edition number eight and it is our final one for 2018. So thank you for everyone who has been with us throughout this journey. My name is Karen Das and I'm thrilled to be with my co-hosts. Louisa Gossa and Gina Todd. So today we've got so much to talk about. We have book news, we have the Unity Book of the Month, we have our own book reviews and we have our little slot today which is the Christmas Book Elves, the definitive list of what to buy your family <laughs> this Christmas. There is a book for everyone and we have not books. But oh, um, yes. last time we had a giveaway, didn't we, uh, for a normal people tote bag. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to give that away right now, live on podcast time. <laughs> um, we had some lovely podcast time. We had some lovely emails, and I didn't know whether to reply to the competition entry. So what we did was we got people to write in and tell us something nice or give us a book recommendation, mm. and they could win this tote bag. And I didn't reply to anyone, but I want to say that we love them all, and maybe we will reply. In time, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Don't count on it. Don't count on it. But we, but we, but you know, we did like read them and appreciate them, and, yeah. and we absolutely love you guys. Definitely, we got a great recommendation for True Stories by Helen Garner. Mm. Lots of the entrants had read and loved Normal People. One loves Normal People and Sardines, which I thought was a good point to I, make. I, when I saw that, I was like, I can't be judging this. Like, I can't pick the names because I would pick this person. Yeah, <laughs> I, I too really love Sardines. Likewise, great yeah. breakfast. First food. Yeah. Um, Great anytime food. And one late entrance from yesterday said that they like conversations with friends better, which we were actually talking about today, Karen. Yes, we were. That's yeah. a controversial opinion. So. I actually liked it better too. Did you? I, I think I did. Yeah. Oh, That's on my summer reads pile, so I can let you know in 2019. Yeah. But I'm going to use my favourite website, Random Name Picker, to democratically choose a winner. Yeah. Okay. Your favorite. All right. Well, it's enough. one of them. It's very handy. <laughs> <laughs> I use it all the time. Um, okay, I'm going to press pick a random name. This would be better if it was on video. Yeah. Okay, the winner is dun, 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 dun. Lily. Lily. Right on, Lily. Right well on, Lily. Done. We will email you back definitely and get your address and we'll pop this in the post. Yeah. It's a very Congratulations. cool yeah. I feel like Lily might have been the person that likes sardines. Oh well, let's well let's not get excited in case it wasn't. Yeah, it, you're all fantastic, and whoever Lily is, we love you, and we're very excited to be giving you this po this pote tag. Pote tag. <laughs> so um, next on our agenda, we have. Um, do you want to sponsor us? We just thought we'd put out a call. Just to see little, if anyone wants to sponsor us. Just a little bit of begging on the air. Um, so we'll see if, you know, just if you know anyone or any wineries or uh, <laughs> uh, gin or vodka manufacturers. That, or you know, tea. Yeah, tea, tea would tea. be good. Yeah, get in touch. Cat food for the cat ladies among us. <laughs> <laughs> Two of three. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pump your shit. Yeah. 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 To the max. To the max. You have our word. Um, uh, all right, what's next? So on? next we have book news, Lit Crawl in Wellington, which was November the 8th to 11th, and I chaired a session with Zoya Patel, the Australian writer, so I was really lucky to go down and be a guest of Lit Crawl, and our session was at the City Gallery, which is such a beautiful um, venue 
which was great. And just the energy of Lit Crawl was amazing. So I just think if anyone gets the opportunity to go to Lit Crawl and experience it, I really recommend it. Such a wonderful experience, great energy, and just the landscape of Wellington is perfect for lit crawl mm. that's yep. so true really you buzzy you can literally crawl you can literally crawl <laughs> that's why it's called lit crawl <laughs> <laughs> weren't you gonna go Lou did you decide yeah, not to yeah again I, again I said I would go I didn't go I suffered FOMO I read um, Steve Bronius's piece on the mm. spin-off about it and it sounded like it was really fun it mm. was fun um, next year next year next year I'll do a just paper be organised about it yeah yeah. yeah. on location okay. that's a name for next year is some field trips yeah yeah, yeah. it's good to have goals and we've just made one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my brilliant friend has made it onto TVNZ. This has been a long-awaited show, even though the book has been out for just a little little amount of time. Um, it's produced by the Italian and American Italians and Americans HBO Rye Fiction and Tim Vision, mm-hmm. and it's an eight-episode miniseries, and then there'll be. F- three more series based on each book, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And just a bit more context that, you know, My Brilliant Friend is the first novel in a, what is it, a quartet? The, the Neapolitan series the Neapolitan by Eleanor Ferrante. Quartet by Eleanor Ferrante, which I adore. That's Ditto. Yeah. And I really want to read it, but I just haven't <gasps> had a chance yet. Oh, my yet. goodness. Do you want me to borrow? I would love to. Form? Maybe over summer when I'm not reading so much for work. Oh, good so summer read. I'd love you to read them. Yeah, good and, summer read. And even if you do hate them, that's fine, because I look forward to getting into it with you. Oh, I'm sure I'll love them. them. Yeah. I did actually, however, watch some of the first episode from the series. Oh, hmm. right. And you guys have watched it as well, right? I've watched the first episode and part of the second one. I've watched the first two. And then I got two. distracted yeah. by House of Drag. Um. <laughs> well, that will come up later, I yeah. guess. So I, I really didn't like it and I just couldn't even finish the first episode. I hated it, but you, you really liked it, Adrian. I loved it. Loved yeah, it. me too. Me too. I, okay. loved I loved it. it. Um, I Once again, I'm a minority. No, well, yeah. maybe it's where you like to be, you old contrarian. <laughs> So I guess if you don't know about the book, it's about it's the story of two girls turning it over their whole lives, um, and it's one of the women is writing back on the story, and she's writing the the story of their friendship. So it's in nineteen fifties uh, Naples, and the film is or the TV show is in Italian as well as Neapolitan dialect. So even Italians need subtitles to mm. to watch it. I think that's a really cool decision. Like to actually hear that that local dialect, I think, because in the books at least, and and in this series as well, the place is so important. Naples is so important, and language is so important. And language is so yeah. important, and miscommunication and communication, etc. Also important are um, it's the Camorra, right? That's yes. the name of the um, crime uh, organized crime syndicate, mm-hmm. and they are a huge presence in the book, but they're sort of an underlying presence. Whereas I feel like in the series. It's more overt mm-hmm. um, and just the feeling of, um, you know, there being danger at every turn and just this this violence that can explode at any moment is really well done. Yeah, I really like that. It's super slow and moody, like the books, and there's lots of wide-eyed gazes between characters mm. or staring off into the distance. <laughs> so much of that. <laughs> and um, mm. it's very stylized. So Karen. the background is super blue and grey and the characters wear shades of green. And I was watching this on Saturday night when my friends were at Ferris and I was like, these guys. <laughs> Could be at Ferris right now, these like forest green <laughs> yeah. tones of the school kids. Um, but I love being back in that story again, and maybe that's why you like it too, Lou. Is I that- think so too. I was very excited to be 
you back in that world and knowing what's to come because yeah. the books to me get better and better. So was it quite a faithful translation of the books so far, you find? Yeah, or? I think so. Yeah. Definitely in spirit. And there weren't any moments where I was like, oh, this yeah. isn't in the book. Yeah, yeah. And just remembering those characters like Stefano and Enzo, Melina, just they're all coming back to me because I only really remember the two main characters and Nino, who's going to come back in later. But even just seeing him as a kid pop in and then go away again, it was just like, oh, oh Nino. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it's Nino. No, yeah. So, yeah, I can see how you would not have that experience <laughs> yeah. had you not read the books, Karen. So, yeah, definitely put put that on hold for now, I'd say. I'm just going to read the book. Yeah. I hated it visually. I don't like the visual look of it mm. or the aesthetic of it. I thought mm. it was quite cheesy. So, But I'll definitely read the book. It kind of reminds me of The Crown, like really over the top, really stylized, really lush, um, and has that really slow build up. And I can imagine the whole series is going to be quite slow, which Heaps I of like. CGI. And it also makes the incidents, which is which I really like about the books anyway, is it makes the incidents that happen in later more powerful because there's such a big build, build up, up to these things happening and really strong relationships being formed and then being broken by betrayals. So. I like it. Sam Brooks from the spin-off reviewed it and he said um, he was like, okay, he thought it looked he thought it looked really beautiful, but he didn't think it had any heart. Has he read the mm. books? That's what was not in the That means the he review. hasn't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shaming you. Usually no, if you saying. read the book, you're like, I've read the yeah. book. Yeah, <laughs> you start it. You always lead with that. You're like, I've read the book and uh, here's how it measures I up. am informed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But I'm I'm really into it. Cool. All right. And what is next? Um, well, um, the spin-off has kind of published a book in a way. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, well, at least. It's affili- affiliated with uh, the spin-off. Yeah. So Steve Braunius, who is the uh, spin-off literary page editor, has published the Friday Poem. Yeah, the Friday Poem, which is um, all of the poems that have appeared on the spin-off books page in the regular segment that occurs on yep, a Friday right. when there's a poem. Mm, and it's kind of his last hurrah before he passes on the torch to Ashley Young to be the poetry editor. Yeah, so he's gonna, he's gonna keep on being the big daddy of books. The at the of books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a cool little book and um yeah. there's such a I mean, oh, is it the wrong word? Like just kind of like vibrancy and freshness to the poetry, quite a wide range of poets. There's the old guard like CK mm. Stead and Bill Manhire, but then you have your your Hera and your Table and your Steve Toussaint and, and Simone Caho. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 into it. It's a great gift for Christmas. It's only twenty five dollars, which is And it's on its second print run already. Yeah. Did we already the... say that? No. No. I don't yeah, know. it's on its second print run, so Ooh. not bad going. Yeah, so yeah. congratulations to the poets. Um, congratulations to Steve for and picking those. Lunch and, and sausage lunch books. And sausage to, the, books. to the publisher. It never gets old saying lunch and sausage books. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's pretty awesome news. Um, What's next? Well, our favourite person ever, Jordan B. Peterson, is coming to New Zealand. Our mate. He's coming. Our mate. He's coming for us. He heard our call and... <laughs> <laughs> I hope he didn't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll be in conversation with Dave Rubin. Um, says Twitter is not happy, but the people will go. Yeah. The people will go. So when I first saw the post about this, you know how when you look at analytics of Twitter, when something yeah. has like... 
I think it had nine likes but 36 comments. <laughs> they were all really anti. <laughs> but what I think about 12 Rules for Life is that there's a lot of people that read that book without looking at all the extra stuff that the he says and, and the subtext. Yeah, the backstory. Yeah, the, the wider context of They just the see book. the 12 Rules for Life and think, oh, cool, self-help book. Yeah. It's going to help me sort myself out. Totally. Yeah. Um, Madeline Chapman from the spinoff has been currently living a week like Jordan B. Peterson, which you can watch on their Instagram stories. And because he only eats meat and greens. I was watching an interview. He does say greens. He does but, eat greens. But Madeline's just eating beef, salt and drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> and today's update was I that she... I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. I didn't see her out I there know. when we came in, did you? It's oh, all the back of her head. Okay. But today's update is that she's tired, but her skin is looking good. Oh, that's an unexpected. But Jordan B. Peterson says that he believes people are fat and stupid because they eat too many carbs. But because of this diet, he has lost heaps of weight. All his skin conditions have cleared up. His tiredness has gone, as well as his gum disease and autoimmune disease symptoms. So, <laughs> oh, and did it pay his mortgage as well? <laughs> and you said pay his rent. I just listened to what, quite a weird interview with him. Brought and grandma the, back from the dead. He said he can't eat anything and can't go out for dinner, but he seems happy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got no mates to go out with oh, for God. dinner anyway. That is so bleak. <laughs> Do you think people will protest at this event? Well, I think... Maybe we'll be there. Not necessarily protesting, but just, you know. Will you go to it? No. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, well, we oh, yeah, just for context, what we were saying before is that if you listen to, I think it's our very first episode, yeah. you can hear us um, discussing Jordan B. Peterson in yeah. greater depth. Um, I'm sort of reluctant to pe- point people to our first episode because it was probably pretty rough and ready, but actually like, we still are, so what am I talking about? We talked we about it evolved. as in-depth as you could without having read the book. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And just reading lots of think pieces. Look, we never read any books. That's the whole secret behind this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we actually can't read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, look out for it. I think it's going to sell out. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, in more ways than one. <laughs> I've just wrote this little note, but I realised I forgot to put the name of the show on there. Um, yeah, and also the link didn't oh, yeah. work. So I was like, "There's oh, just a little uh, note saying, does anyone know where we can watch this?'" And then there was a link that was broken. So, so there's I this, do not know. There's this documentary by BBC, which is um, a like a celebration of 50 years of the Man Booker. Did you hear about that? And I just can't find anywhere to watch it, and I just Ooh. want to know where to watch it. Okay, well, no. um, hey, listeners, if anyone knows where we can watch it legally, um, please do let us know. Yeah, it's. Um, I'll tell you the name of it. Sorry, guys, just hold on a second. How and dare you. it is called Barney's Books and Bust Ups 50 Years of the Booker <laughs> Price. Doesn't cool. that sound amazing? Not That's what I expected. Great title. It to be great Why is it called Barney? Because they're having a Barney. Oh. Mm. I feel like that's not why, but I like it. <laughs> so I guess you could do the scramble the IP address and then go on the BBC website, but then you have to have no. a login and stuff. Yeah, don't say that. You get us into trouble. <laughs> I don't know where to watch it. Okay. I would like to know. Anyway, Thanks. it exists. Watch it if you're in the UK and moving swiftly along. Maybe someone could watch it and then... Skype it and we can I can watch it on the bit of Skype. <laughs> Again, sailing quite close to the wind, legally speaking. <laughs> so moving on to our next slot, which oh is... Oh, God, the police are waiting outside for Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> the Unity Books Book of the Month, which they have selected Mad, Bad and Dangerous to Know, the Fathers of Wild 
As an Oscar. Oscar, Yates and Joyce by Coim Tobin, published by Macmillan, and it's $30, and you can buy that in-store or online. Sounds like a bloody rip-roarer. So let's it's, move that's on. That's really good, actually. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. great. His non-fiction's amazing. Mm. Yeah. he's. I love the Irish writers. Yeah. All right. Good well, Irish. Can we go on to our reviews now? Book reviews. Book Who's reviews. going first? You know. go, Katie. Okay. So I was going to talk about Daphne du Maurier, who is the short story writer, because one of my favourite film directors, Nicholas Rogue, passed away this week at the age of 90. Oh. And I've been thinking about her writing a lot um, because a lot of my favourite filmmakers have actually based films on her short stories. And you'll know them. Um, Hitchcock Hitchcock did um, Jamaica Inn, which I read and reread as a teenager. I was obsessed with her as a teenager, actually. Oh, she's actually great. If you have a um, voracious reader, a teenager who wants to read adult fiction, Daphne du is a great one. Mm. Absolutely. Rebecca and the Birds, made by Hitchcock as well. But Don't Look Now is in my top five all-time favourite films. Um, And it's based on a novella-length short story by her. Don't Look Now, I've watched it dozens of times. I saw it at film school. Have you guys seen it? I haven't seen it, but I love the story. So I'm really excited to watch it this weekend It is, yeah, one of the most atmospheric, haunting and visually interesting films that I've ever seen. It's about this English couple named John and Laura and they're grief-struck after their um, small daughter Christine dies. And in the book, I think it's from illness. I think she has meningitis. But in the film, she drowns in this really kind of amazing and intense and visceral scene and then afterwards the couple go to Venice where John takes on a project restoring a church and it's a psychodrama and it's kind of a horror but it's all kind of you know like internal and Mm. um, it kind of deals with dualities and occult and doppelgangers and the opening line is one of those classic unforgettable opening lines and so John and Laura are having dinner in a restaurant in Venice and John says don't look now, but there's a couple of old girls two tables away who are trying to hypnotise me. Mm. And so it begins. And um, Nick Rogue, he was an amazing filmmaker, and I think the cool thing about him was that he was a cinematographer, so he had an amazing eye for how images work and how moving images work. And he made some of the best films. You'll know them. Performance with Mick Jagger, Mm. The Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie. I love that film. And Walkabout, which was a book I read at primary school about the two children lost in the Australian outback. Oh, sounds good. Amazing film as well. So just really edgy, singular films. Um, If you've never seen any before, I really recommend. I recommend Don't Look Now. Donald Sutherland is in it and Ah. Julie Christie. And um, I think... When you see the film, if you ever see a small child wearing a red parka with a hood, you'll you'll always think of that film. You'll never, yeah, yeah it's okay, pretty cool. cracker. So oh, put awesome. it on your list, people. Can I make a slight addendum to that? Mm-hmm. Speaking of um, directors who have passed away recently, Bertolucci. Oh, that too, actually, Bertolucci, um, director of Last, Ta- Last Tango in Paris. However, I was going to say William Goldman. Ah, oh, oh, yes, um, Princess Bride, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote the Princess Bride. He well, <clears throat> yeah, he wrote the book, The Princess Bride, mm. and then he directed the film. Oh, he wrote the screenplay yeah. for The Princess Bride. And I believe he directed it as well, and that's just a huge cornerstone of so many of our childhoods. And mm. it sounds like he was um, not only you know a talented writer in a real kind of 
man of the movies, but also quite a lovely guy. So mm. R.I.P. to him. Sort of R.I.P. to Bertolucci. Kind of sounds like he was kind of a jerk. but Kind of a jerk, but, you know. You know. I love how filmmakers are. <laughs> we yeah, can't talk exactly. about any of them anymore. I know. Everyone's canceled. problematic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just give him half an R.I.P. Yeah. R.I. R.I. Rest. Just rest. <laughs> So who's next? Um, I don't know. Do you want to go next or should yeah. I go next? Well, I'll talk about mine because mine is half a review because I've only read half the book, mm. which is 300 pages oh, of a 600 page that's book. Fair so enough. it's like oh, a book's worth. Oh, oh, the book is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so it's Killing Commandant. Commendatore by Haruki Murakami, ah. Karen's favourite author. <laughs> yeah, that, that noise was Karen having a wee spew in the mouth over there. So having a minor stroke. I'm just wondering whether I keep going and I just want to ask you. So Don't. It's the same shtick. Wait, Karen. Our lonely and newly divorced narrator moves into his friend's father's house in the remote mountains of Japan. He himself is a portrait painter and the house he's in is in the is of the famous traditional Japanese artist. He eats simple meals and has one glass of cheap red wine on the balcony in the evening. One glass. And then some mysterious <laughs> characters turn up into his world, as well as a mysterious bell sound that he hears during the night. And so if you've read Murakami before, you can guess it's the kind all of vibe. quite familiar, yeah. <laughs> and the book is almost, uh, it's also a homage to Great Gatsby. Um, here are my problems. Took about 200 pages for a female character be- to be named. Um, the rest are a series of married women who the main character is having sex with. He admits he only married his wife because she reminded him of his sister who died when she was 12. And that actually, now it's starting to sound quite, quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and um, our Guardian reviewer, Johanna Thomas Core, counted. 80 breast mentions. Oh, mm. um, so I think all like of his... a pair of titties, doesn't it? He does. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, all of his novels have been quite similar. And, but I don't know, perhaps in, in this time, it seems a bit old-fashioned and unaware. Yeah, right. And, like, but 1Q84 had a, an, a really amazing female character who was an assassin and she was, and there was the mm. dowager and stuff. So I just don't know. Mm. I don't know. Do you know when I used to work in a bookshop in Wellington, there was this thing where young indie boys would always come to the counter and talk to me about Murakami. In a sort of you're bound to be impressed by this yeah, kind of way. Yeah, and a kind of like, hey, <laughs> it's just the, the it, worst thing you could talk to me about. That's so What was funny. it about me? That, and then, you oh, know, I think that, oh, so when was this? Was this like early 2000s? Like, hey, like, mid-2000s. Uh, mid yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it was sort of, it was sort of a byword in, um, in sort of middle-of-the-road good literary taste. Um, yeah. Oh, not even middle of the road. I don't know. Oh, definitely middle of the road. Yeah, well, definitely middle of the road to someone who's, you know, on the left bank, such as you. On the leave, gosh. Sorry. I'm a- I like his book. I've always enjoyed his books, and I kind of feel like when you read them, it's so familiar. And maybe how someone would settle into a Lee Child novel. They're like, the atmosphere, oh, the same old voice. Yes, I'm right into this new mm. story. And, it has a very and that can be really atmosphere. nice. A, yeah. coming, a sort of a feeling of, of homecoming. And, yeah. Um, and I think something that I have enjoyed in the past about Murakami's novels is the, the feeling of um, a peace, I guess, um, or just sort of uh, 
peaceful loneliness. Mm. Um, you know, if you're someone who enjoys being alone and enjoys reading about people enjoying being alone, <laughs> then it, it could have that sort of appeal, I would say. So, I did really enjoy 1Q84. I me too. That. I really, really like that book. I think that's a really masterful book. This one? Well, maybe I thought I'd take it on my next plane ride and I could yeah. just rip through you're the end of it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good review? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I kind of do want to finish it because yeah. I want to know the mystery. But mm. I think if you if you were if you were giving it to someone who is um, has never read Murakami before, I don't think you should give them this one first. But if they're yeah. a proper Murakami fan, mm-hmm. they'll probably feel quite satisfied. But I, I think One Q eighty four is just really great um, first Murakami book to go in. I haven't read all of his books, but I I like how it kind of starts off quite seemingly normal but mysterious and then it goes real really wacky surreal yeah Mm. it's quite it really does remind me of david lynch that book Mm -hmm. the second half Mm -hmm. um yeah that's my review thanks jenna jolly good um all right time for my review what have you got for us well i did finish this book but it was a little bit of a struggle at times um so i just finished reading Caroline's Bikini by Kirsty Gunn. I was very excited to read this book. Um, I read some really interesting stuff about it, mm. and it's got a terrific cover. Mm. And you like the big music, right? Um, no, oh. I didn't like the big music. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I didn't like the big music, but I didn't finish it because okay. yeah, I didn't anyway. finish it either, but yeah. not because I didn't like it. What I do like exactly, exactly. What I did really enjoy was her. I think it was one of her early, if the not novella, first, Rain. novellas. Rain, which of course is an incredible book. So good. um, Which I really recommend people seek out if they haven't read it. Um, And also the film based on that book was Mm. also terrific. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who directed it. Is it Christine Jets? I think, yes. I don't don't can't remember. I I don't know, probably. I I bet you're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt you for a second. Um, So anyway, Caroline's Bikini, I was excited to read it. I... Uh, picked it up, I started reading it, and I was instantly a bit like, oh, this is a bit, um, it's not a super welcoming book um, because it is quite an experimental novel. Um, and so I'll just briefly, briefly talk about the plot because I always forget to do that. So let's just get out, get that out of the way. Um, plot is not a huge um, thing in this book. It's actually, so the book is about, um, there's a, this woman called Emily Stewart and she, her old childhood friend, who she's had this really, um, he had a really intense friendship with um, before he moved to the US. He moves back to the UK where she's living, and they go out for a drink. And he says to her, you know, long story short, he says to her, "Look, I've fallen in love with this woman who um, I'm lodging in her house. She's a married woman, and I'm, you know, occupying the upstairs apartment, and I'm totally in love with her. You know, she's this sort of." Tall, leggy, aristocratic, warm, bubbly, sweet, complicated woman named Caroline. And I want you to write the story of our love, which has not yet begun. So all that's happened is it he's... It sounds like a really great premise. He's mm. moved in mm. and he's started... Um, he's fallen in love with her. He describes it as happening with a ping, which I think is really cool. Mm. And um, so this woman... this. This woman, Emily Stewart, she's a freelance writer. Um, she's kind of looking to break into the mainstream with a novel or something. So she agrees to do this. And so what then happens is a series of protracted, long, involved meetings where they talk about this love between, um, I've forgotten his name, what's his face, and Caroline. He's not important. Um, 
Now here's important. Anyway, <laughs> it's this sort of non-existent love story and, and Emily's sort of saying, oh, well, can you sort of get on with it and, you know, tell her how you feel? And he's going, no, 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 you know, I I love her, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's that it's now going to, and he, he wants her to tell the true story of their love at first, but then he says he wants it to be a novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very odd little book. And the way that it's structured is there's a lot of footnotes that direct you to yeah. extra material at the back of the book. They're sort of appendices. I'm not into this. I know, exactly. And I saw that and I was like, and the footnotes are kind of couched in these really coy ways. It's sort of like, if you would like to know more about this um, mm. this sort of yearning desire, you know, I direct you to the back of the book where you may wish to learn more about the tradition of courtly love and the, and the poetry of Dante and Petrarch. And I read that and I went, no, I don't want to. And um, <laughs> nah, No, I'm just going to keep reading. Thank you very much. You and um, I sit around and um, eat a lot of crisps and drink a lot of gin, don't I? Drink they? a lot of gin, which... Made me really thirsty. I haven't finished it, but when I was reading it, it was like, made me quite thirsty. I'm jonesing for a gin, actually, <laughs> yeah. after having read this, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so... It was a bit of a slog, and I was a bit sort of turned off by these sort of coy little asides. It's very, very metatextual, which is something that either it always is very divisive for me, and I think for a lot of people, people either love it or they hate it when something when when fiction talks about itself. So, did you do you go and read all those footnotes? Because, you know, I have read books before that have lots of notes and footnotes and sometimes I haven't just read those, you know. Like, do you have to read those and are you diligent about reading every single little note? No, no. I think – so one thing that was kind of cool is that in these notes they were like, you know what, if if you don't want to, don't, you know, that's fine. Or you can Mm. read them at the end, you can read them now. And I was like, well, Or just read them on its own. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was like, well, thanks for that that freedom. That's kind of cool. And – so, I don't know. I would, so I started off and I was like, oh, God, let's just give it a rest. This is too much. And I was also slightly I was slightly mad at Kirsty Gunn, not that I know her personally, but she'd written a piece on the spin-off review of books um, that discussed New Zealand literature and what I thought was a slightly dismissive way and, it, and in, in a slightly uninformed way. Was it called When Will New Zealand Literature Get Over Itself? It was like indeed that. called that. And it didn't talk much about... Contemporary New Zealand no. literature did it. I, I read the first paragraph and then I was just. I actually read the whole thing. And I read I, the whole thing twice. It was a while ago though, but I feel yeah, like I, I didn't read it again mention today. much about writers working now. Well, that's the thing is that she talks about um, leaving. She goes, "I'm so glad I left New Zealand in, in the seventies. You know, it was all Barry Crump and Sam Hunt and." Um, you know, we did get a bit of Marilyn Duckworth and so on, but, you know, for the most part, you know, if you submitted a story to Landfall, they'd come back and say it's not New Zealand enough. Mm, yeah. It's not participating in, participating in national uh, myths enough, mm. essentially. And that's fair enough. But um, And then she goes, you know, and I'm just so glad I left, blah, 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 New Zealand literature needs to get over itself. I was like, oh, so you're not going to engage with any of the novels that have been produced in the in the last decade by young woman, you know, it just seemed it seemed as though she was not really speaking a bit dismissive, a, a bit dismissive, and not really that in touch with what she was trying to discuss, which is a sure way to make an ass of yourself. Mm, and it so, sounds like she's got a big chip on her shoulder, and that might have been justified in the beginning. That's a really mm. good point, but actually. Perhaps, yeah, and maybe she's just like, no, I can't. 
I just can't do I can't it. Can't engage. But then, why would you write that article I know. if you realise you can't engage? Well, with it? yeah. I mean, it's so I was feeling a bit kind of like hunched shoulders about that. And when I read the book, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, here we go, here we go. You know, I'm I'm annoyed yeah. at you, Kirsty, and you're going to have piece, to win me back. That piece was a little bit half baked. It was really I just thought. not enough context and not mm. enough. Um, yeah, yeah, and so. The, it was funny because I read so I read this book and I was like, oh, go on, whatever. And then I did get into it eventually, and I'm glad that I persisted because there is some really interesting stuff about um, the romanticization of unrequited love and how that can sort of be, uh, especially for men such as this man, Evan is his name, Evan Gordonston, mm. finally remembered. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, how it's it's sort of like, it's not really about the person that you profess to love. It's about you. It's yeah. about you yearning and sort of enjoying and rolling around in that yearning and sort of being like, oh, woe is me. I love her so much. It's such a delicious feeling of pain, mm. etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. one more thing I will say, sorry if this has gone on too long, as no, I love always. It. Um, but uh, one more thing I will say is that there was a really good interview on Radio New Zealand mm-hmm. um, with Noelle McCarthy um, and Kirsty Gunn, and they talked a bit more about that sort of background and, I mean, Kirsty was just so charming, and I'm I'm back in love with her again. And oh, so yeah, yeah. Right, yeah so we're friends us. again, and yeah. um, you know, and she said she she's really she's really funny, and um, she sort of said something like there was this really funny moment where she said, you know, I was writing. They kept on meeting in these bars and having gin, and they kept on going to fancier and fancier bars, <laughs> and the gin got fancier and fancier, and it would be like you know with a rosemary swizzle stick and infused with various botanicals. And she said that when she finished the book and gave it to someone to read and they said oh I see that you've included you know the stuff about you know gin being all fancy nowadays and she was like oh is it I just made that up <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that and then and then Kirsty said then Kirsty said to Noelle you know what as a person I'm really out of touch uh, I love it <laughs> well maybe that connects with the article that exactly you, Do you know I will read absolutely anything that Kirsty Gunn writes because I love her writing and I really loved I love her. her mind I love that vision and I love that she is super intelligent and not anti-intellectual you know mm. like I love that she has that kind of background yeah, um, far from anti-intellectual. I love that. Yeah, I. Yeah, you have to admire it because this book is, it's a risky book. I mean, like, I don't consider myself to be, like, a really um, basic reader. Mm-hmm. You know, I consider myself someone who reads quite challenging texts. And I struggled at times. I, I thought about giving up. Um, and so if it makes me feel that way, how will it make you feel? Make the average reader feel? You know, it's a risk, and I have to say, you know, mad respect to Kirsty Gunn and to the publishers, mm. oh. Faber and Faber, who are my favourite publisher. Yeah. I have to say, I love. I love I'll happily say that Faber is my favourite publisher, and also I love the fact that she will write a book and not be like, well, I'm just going to hang out in the middle of the road because it's the safest place in the street. You know, like you don't have to write a book for the average reader. There are plenty of those. That is very oh, yeah. true. Plenty. So, so that is my review of Caroline's Bikini, and what a terrific title as well. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a great title. Great yeah. cover. Does the bikini turn up? Oh, in such a wonderful and weird <laughs> way. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there, is, there is a very weird twist right at the very end, so you might want to hang out for that because okay. it's pretty so you're, bizarre. you're glad that you persisted? I'm, I'm glad that yeah. I persisted. I got to learn about the bikini. You have to wait a while. Okay, cool. <laughs> But everyone loves a bikini, so. Great review. Yeah. Thanks, guys. really good. Thanks. Oh, I feel like I went into a fugue state while I was giving that review. <laughs> I just panic when I try to talk about plot. I can never remember any of the <laughs> details. Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm, why I'm, you should make notes, I suppose. You guys know I've talked about this so much about yeah. my thing about plot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you and Kirsty Gunn both. You know, she's not that fussed on plot either. She's my mate. Yeah, she's all of our mate. We're mates again now. Yeah. So next, are we on to not books? Is that what we're on to now? Well, oh no, we've got to do the Christmas list. Ah, uh, yeah. Ooh, so this might take a while. It's coming up to Christmas. I mean, we can go a bit free range and we can cut some stuff out, but. We three are believers that you could buy a book for anyone, right? We three kings of Orient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite songs from church. Um, we could buy, we could, you could buy Definitely. a book for anyone. There is a book out there for everybody. So we just wanted to give some tips of stuff that we've seen come apart, <clears throat> go buy us in the bookstore and then see... Um, what you would recommend. Yeah. 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 Um, you guys um, have been much more involved with this. So I'm, I'm going to sit back and... And um, there'll be some customer... Make customer some jingling noises and, and ho-ho-hoings. <laughs> so the first one um, is how to find the perfect gift for your father-in-law that only wants to read colonial history of New Zealand. Oh, yeah. I, do, I couldn't even think of anything. It just made me think of this customer who told me... He was, I, I, was, I was there. <laughs> he, he said... He's, Older gentleman, very old. He wanted to buy a book about New Zealand history, so I suggested Tonga Te Whenua, Bridget great. Williams' book. That's a great recommendation. Said, no, not don't want books named Marys in it. And, then <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I said, I don't think I'm the best person for you to talk to about this because I am Maori myself. And then he said, Hmm. And then um, chose like, like a finding Victoria a book, book about New Zealand history that doesn't include Maori. Yeah, but then I just. What about your racist uncle? I put. Fear by Bob Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a solid recommendation solid. for a racist uncle. Yeah, by the way, Jenna didn't mean Karen's racist uncle no. or my racist uncle. No. And my father in law. One's, one's racist uncle. My father in law is not, doesn't only just want to read colonial history of Messiah. Yeah, yeah. so these, these, these are very generic. We're not dragging yeah. our own families through the mud. These are hypothetical um, situations. <laughs> um, and next we had the book for your brother in law who doesn't read because, you know, you do get people who want well, they read one book a year. One book a year, and it's in, you know, this summer break um, and you came up with a good one for that Jenna Lee Child past tense newbie. can't go wrong can't go wrong and Who I, you met I met him last week <laughs> 6 30 in the morning breakfast I'm so charmed by him because I've now learned that he has 30 coffees a day and he's a huge stoner. <laughs> yeah, and cigarette cigarettes. smoker. Cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. But then I saw him counter that when someone asked him about it. Oh, I hear you're a big pot smoker. And he's like, it was in the Daily Mail. That's not news. It's this thing in the I UK. The <laughs> um, <laughs> they took it out of context. <laughs> I know. I heard that. I mean, it's kind of turned into this big myth, but I heard that he smokes five days a week while he's writing. Yeah, I heard that too. He was I heard cool. nothing. He was really intri- he was really um only Were you few- there too, Lou? No, no, it wasn't, no. Um only had a few minutes to chat to him, but what he like he really got into like bookstores and landlords. Like he was just really interested in what indie bookstores are doing and Every- stuff. Everyone was very charmed by him. I'm I'm sad that I didn't get to meet him. Mm. Um but maybe next time. He had a two hour signing line after his event on Thursday yeah. night. Yeah, he was quite mm. busy, but he could have made time for me. I mean jeez. <laughs> So, yeah, we thought that's the, you know, it's formulaic, it's it's good. Um, nice, charming book with no bad stuff. Yay. So, yeah, if you've got, you know, mother-in-law, mother, father-in-law, father, just someone who wants something that's not going to make them sad. Or make them chuckle nicely throughout yeah, the book. something delightful and pleasant. 
I've got this recommendation from Laura Cagle from the library. She says The Helpline by Catherine Collette. It's the book with the big biscuit on the cover. Oh. Not that into the cover. It has a big biscuit on it. <laughs> I like the sound of a cover with a big biscuit. <laughs> it's like, oh, that biscuit book. It's what kind of white cover. What kind of biscuit is it? It kind of looks like an Anzac biscuit, but <laughs> yeah. it can't be. It must be like an oat biscuit mm. or something. Something oh. wholesome. Oh, a wholesome biscuit a wholesome for biscuit. a wholesome book. From a council. Because it's about a woman who um, is not a people person kind of like Rosie Project Oh yeah, type. or maybe Eleanor Oliphant, which I haven't read, but I feel like I'm can I, make that assumption well, quite safely. Um, Laura says this; she likes this better than Eleanor Oliphant because this woman's not a people person, and she starts working at the council helpline for the elderly, where the biscuit like biscuit politics comes into it. <laughs> but the thing with Eleanor Oliphant is that. You know, she's a bit off, but then she has this really tragic thing that's happened to her. We're oh, in the helpline. She's just not happens. a pe- she's just not a people person. Yeah, which I kind of like the idea of. Yeah. Okay. So, that sounds good. Nice and charming. Yeah, it's 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 honestly very important to have a book like that up your sleeve when you're doing your Christmas shopping. Definitely. And then, you know, maybe it's something that you even like buy another copy of just for that for that present that you forgot yeah totally mm, and easily transferable yes I think also that people that like I really thought of you with this genetic <laughs> present <Yeah. laughs> I think people that would read literary books as well would like it as well but you know there's so many books with like death and divorce and even even c- young adult books eh oh, oh yeah especially young adult books I want a book Definitely. where no one dies um okay okay <laughs> Um, but we thought a book for the RNZ listening, spin-off reading person in your life. Shout out to Steve Braunius, the Friday poem. Yeah. Just someone who's into new, exciting stuff. Kind of like the type of person that would buy Tell You What. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which was an By anthology AUP. from a few years ago of new New Zealand nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a good Christmassy book, I seem to recall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I took it to the States with me. Oh, and I yeah. went over there and gave it to the bookshop. Oh, I cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. bless your heart. I know. You're the NZ Lit ambassador. Oh. <laughs> a book for your granny that's not physically heavy and the print is not too small. <laughs> that is such a specific recommendation, but these are the concerns that people have when they're buying books for true. granny. Yep. I love it. All the Queen's Corgis by Penny Junor. This oh, is like a God. really adorable little, <laughs> it's just all about her corgis and tells the story of their lives, who, by the way, the last one died, died. recently. I know. And she's not going to have any more because she's old, right? I know, and that's very good of her as a dog owner. That's but very responsible, responsible dog ownership. That must be a dark time in your life when you're like, no, I'm not going to live out, <laughs> live my next dog. Yeah. I mean. She is old. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> well, got- hopefully, yeah, I think your granny would be into it. Um, uh, so is it like a gifty book? or? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like nice little hardback. Mm. It's got a cute picture of the queen and the corgis on the cover. Oh. and yeah. Take our advice and there'll be delighted squeals from grannies across the nation. This I actually gave it to my Christmas. sister-in-law, which <laughs> is like, she's also ordered the queen's diamonds. You know that book that I have, oh, Lou? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. She's got some great diamonds. She know. does. Gotta hand it to her. Yeah. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next. next we have the hip young woman in your life who has grown up with Rookie. And Jenna's just read a book that fits the bill for that. Well, I thought it would be the type of woman would probably already know about this and has probably mm. already read it. But I actually just read Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton, who does the Hilo podcast. Oh, um, yeah. And it's kind of like Sex in the City. 
um, Bridget Jones, Lena Dunham. Alexa Chung. Yeah, yeah. that's all that, that kind, kind of stuff. Of it's got recipes interspersed between these essays about her love life. and Are the recipes for chia friends. seed puddings or no, it's are they like, slightly more useful? It's like hungover macaroni cheese oh, nice. and like quick. That's right up our alley. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I mean, now. it's just prepping for a cookbook next from her but yeah. you know I like what she's into and I've, I've been listening to the Hilo recently and I love every single podcast they suggest like they'll talk about an, a new pod to get into or a particular episode and it's always mm. really good Do and I know about paper cuts? No they don't <laughs> Not, they yet. Not, Not yet. yet Not yet Next I year. listen to a podcast um, you know that series I like How to Fail Oh that's what and I heard the from Dolly, them. Yeah. Oh, yeah There's one with her Oh, I got cool. a bit annoyed with her actually, so I turned it off. Well, she <laughs> she has like a very posh voice. Very posh. Yeah, I don't know her yeah. fault though. No, no, it's not her yeah. fault. And she's yeah. she's talked about that before. Yeah. she's, she's quite um, self aware, eh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm, she's. Mm. Li- I think she's living a good life right now. Yeah, no doubt. And that podcast, even though the sound kind of annoys me, it's quite echoey. You know, if we do one out of. Um, yeah, out on of location. the studio. Yeah. Um, but it's like that all the time because they just do it in a house. Um, oh, no. So uh, that, that is an instant turn off for me. I just can't. I'm no sound snob, but there's just something yeah. so not engaging about that. Yeah, but I'd still listen to it. But it's just like maybe because I'm so in tune with great sound, thanks to Tina, it's just um, mm-hmm. yeah. sound wizard over there. So maybe it'll get better. But apparently they get 60,000 downloads a week. So. It is something to aim for, guys. Yeah, we should just completely copy them from now on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so I'm just looking at you. So, so um, everything I know about love, is that a biography? It's or? a yeah, series of essays. Yeah. Um, okay. I, and you really enjoyed year. it, didn't you? Yeah, it was just like easy. I'm just being like, oh, I've just been reading this Murakami forever. And it's yeah, just it's like chronic. I could just rip through it. Yeah, and yeah. it was quite funny. And it had very good... Um, Oh, like memories. She talks about going home from school and getting on MSN and then printing out the really important conversation she had. And, oh. you know, so it's quite good, like, throwback reminiscing. Yeah. 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 Good one. Um, what's next? The book for your independent, cool auntie. Oh, I love this recommendation. <laughs> and this, um, what better book would be to give than The Cost of Living by Deborah Levy, which is just elegant, eloquent and exquisite and brainy um, and filled with heart. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I yeah. loved, 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 loved that book. I read it twice, you know, finished it and then started it all over again. You guys know I don't have the luxury of doing no, that. No, that is um, a, a, a very positive recommendation. Yeah. And the other book I would also suggest for that would be Crudo oh, by Olivia Lang, which is, you know... Um, Friend of the pod, Olivia Lang. Yeah, yeah, yep, friend of yep. the pod. Also, those two books are just such beautiful little hardbacks, and yeah. so they're a really yeah, nice yes, gift to give. They're to lovely people. objects. Beautiful, slim hardbacks, covers. With gorgeous covers, and um, you know, I would just say about both of those books, just read them, love them, and buy them, and give them to everyone that you love. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Um, my favourite kids picture book this year is being published by Huia, and it's the bomb. And it's also published by um, it's also published in Toreo as well. It's called Tipohu by Sasha Cotter. It's such a cool story. Oh, it's so cool. I love Huia. Yeah, They're amazing. It's I would give this to every kid, every picture book kid um, this Christmas. It's just about a, a little kid um, trying to perfect his bomb, his dive bomb. Love it. It's so cute, it's and it's really so rhythmic great. and yeah. amazing illustrations, yeah. and it's my top pick for kids. Nice. Best New Zealand art book, New Zealand art at Te Papa. 
Can you yeah. guys look much at it? Yeah, it's cool because it combines beautiful images, of course, but um, has great essays and pieces by notable curators and art writers. So yeah. I think that's quite a solid backbone. And it's one of those books that people just put on their shelves along with their like collected pho- photography from Te Papa and yeah. the, um, Marty Friedlander book and the Arns Wester yeah. book. You'd just have a collection That's of great. all of those good ones. And it's in sections, so, you know, I really like the modernist kind of yeah. section. So really cool. cool. Right up yeah. to date too. Up to date. I have not seen this book. It is fine. Let's move on. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And the last one we'll say, and I know this is quite, but you know, this is going to be a good list for you guys, I reckon, mm, you listeners. Love um, this book. The Best New Zealand Architecture Book is Houses of Aotearoa by Andrew Patterson, published by Thames and Hudson. This is the best mm. architectural book I've seen in such a long time. I agree. It is beautiful. The photography is amazing. The cover's amazing. So thoughtfully put together, designed and packaged. So you could give it to people who are into New Zealand, into landscape, into architecture, who are building a house, who are, you know, there's so many people you could give it to. Absolutely. So that's it. But if you have any, um, you want to know anything or you have a specific person you want to describe to us, just email us. And we can help you out because there is a book for everybody. There's a book for everybody. (laughs) And there's a body for every book. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I had a little, just an anecdote about how booksellers can do anything and booksellers can find any book that you need and my favorite bookseller moment was when I had a customer come up to me and say oh I'm looking for a book for my friend I don't really know her that well she lives in Australia and she's a bit racist um and you know we take every <laughs> single inquiry seriously oh, because you know you've got to Racists find them a book need book too need, <laughs> need books too and so you know was seriously considering this, okay. She said, I don't know her that well. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, we're off to a good Imagine start. Imagine if the only thing that someone knew about you was that you were oh a bit racist. God. I know. Anyway, so at the time I was like, okay, what have we got? Oh, what about stuff white people like? You know that book? Yeah. Oh and God. she said, oh, no, she doesn't have a sense of humour. No, <laughs> then, no. Oh, my And goodness. then, you know, we kind of went through all these things. Um, you know, she's racist, doesn't have a sense of humour, lives in Tasmania, she doesn't know her that well. Um, oh, the other thing was she doesn't read much. Oh, right. But and, she can read. But she can read. And, you know, I sort of went through all these, like, really considered kind of suggestions, and in the end she was like, oh, have you got that book, The Kite Runner? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And that's what she wanted. All she wanted was the fucking kite runner. Oh, for I Christ's think she sake. maybe would have learned some empathy from that book. So, yeah, that was my favourite uh, little... <laughs> John, well done, Probably Karen. spent yeah. about, you know, maybe 20 minutes with her. Oh, yeah, and that, that time, especially we're in the lead-up to Christmas, Just that time is up. precious. Just me up. Yeah, this is definitely giving me flashbacks to when I worked in a bookstore and yes. I would have people being it like, yeah, <laughs> I want a book, he only likes sports, but only, you know, only Australian rugby league. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Have one book about that. No, no, that's not the one I want. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you think you've got the perfect yeah, one, and you're like, this has all the things we've ticked off. And this like, has dogs, bicycles, rugby league. Or they're like, like, the print is too small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just loved that it was such a roundabout kind of way to get to such a simple place. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we can always find a book for anybody. That's yeah. All you got to do is ask. Be brave. Ask the bookseller. Ask That's the bookseller. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Or your podcast speakers. We're yeah. here for you. Um, so now we've got some not books recommendations, right? Yeah. Do you want to go first, JT? 
Yeah, I've just been. I was, my dear friend Kayla in New York recommended me this. Um, sent me through this podcast yesterday. She starts every day with um, the Daily, the New York Times um, mm. podcast. So I just, tried doing that, mm. but I'm too stupid. Did it build up? I can imagine it building. <laughs> no, you're up. not. <laughs> You think I'm going to be a really good person and yeah. start my day yeah. Yeah. informative yeah. podcast. However, I listen to Morning Report every morning, so that's fine. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's more than enough. Yeah. Um, but she sent this one to me specifically because um, th- this episode is about um, – Sorry, it's about the human toll of instant delivery. Uh. And so it kind of feeds into a books podcast. It's about um, the conditions that online shopping warehouse workers are currently working in. And it's got the story of this woman called Tasha Murrell, but also looks at the future, future of the industry as workers are being replaced by robots. So it's like pretty intense. Mm. And it's not so much in New Zealand, but because the USA has three-hour delivery times on their Amazon packages. Those mm. those poor warehouse workers are just getting, like, work to the bone. Um, but So while you're thinking about purchasing items for Christmas, think about the ethics of the company you're yeah. buying from. I won't right talk on. too much about it because um, it's only 20 minutes, so it won't take you long to listen to the whole cool. story. And the, they do it much better than me. But I have a feeling I could probably start each day with this podcast, I hope. Great. Yeah, Give start it a go. the day with some rage and fire yeah. in your belly. <laughs> Um, Instead of bachelor podcast, want to go next, Lou? Yeah, because mine is is related. Yeah. So, um, on the Guardian, one of our favourite media outlets, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say, um, they have got a new um, biweekly column called the Amazon Diaries, and it is so interesting because it's someone who works at Amazon mm. reporting on what it's like to work there. Do they say who they are, or is it very no, much? It's, um, they, oh, I just want to like scroll down to the bottom and read the like wee disclaimer because it is quite. You know, journalists—they are crack up. Um, They—they will do. They will want to make things exciting. So it says, the writer has chosen to remain anonymous over concerns about retaliation. (laughs) (laughs) Retaliation. Which I'm just like, oh come on! Like you could have just said you could have just said the writer has chosen to remain anonymous. Full stop. Like Mm. we get it. But anyway, you know that's journalism for you. So is it a weekly? Um, it will appear or... every two weeks, it says. Um, it's fortnightly or bi-weekly, I get confused about which. And are they a journalist on, what do you call it, when you're on being a spy? Um, undercover? You, undercover, yeah. Are they being <laughs> undercover or is it just... I mean, I don't know because they're anonymous, but I suspect that they are not a professional writer because they are working um, as a... So they've come on for the... They're like a seasonal temp worker right. and they're one of the people that you your podcast will talk about, one of the people on the ground racing to fulfil orders and they're on a timer and it's pretty inhumane. Right. Um, so they're kind of like strapped... Like the pull quotas, you know, that um, they treat us as a commodity basically and it, it's all about kind of the bullshit that Jeff Bezos spilt you know, spills all the time about, you know, Mm. like, oh, the customer's the most important and then it's the people on the ground fulfilling the orders and then it's me way down at the bottom. It's like, well, but but you're making (laughs) all the money and you've only just started giving, you know, your workers like a so-called living wage, which is still not enough to live on. So anyway, a very interesting column that I will continue to read. It's called The Amazon Diaries and it's on The Guardian. Sounds good. Thanks, Lou. That's great. Thanks, guys. And Karen? Such highbrow stuff we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are pretty highbrow. (laughs) Well, I've just got a music thing. Um, 
a music recommendation, Julia Holter, who is an LA-based singer-songwriter, and her album from 2015, I Have You in My Wilderness, was probably one of my most listened to albums this year. It's a terrific album. It is such a great album. And um, one of my favourite songs from that album is called Silhouette, and it's got a ravishing music video clip to go with it. It's really simple and effective, and we can we can put a link up to that, yeah, eh? no, absolutely. to the clip. Um, and that song I would actually listen to on repeat on my 25-minute bus commute, just the whole way. I just listened to that one song because I loved it so much. Wow. Did that for months. Had a big binge on it. But her new album's just come out, and it's called Avery. And it is so wonderful. Um, and I interviewed her for Radio New Zealand uh, Music 101 program, and it aired on Saturday, but we can link the pod and mm. um, article on the spin-off page. Um but um, Alex Behan, hi, from RNZ, when he introduces any work by me, he always says the nicest things Aww. when he introduces. It's just so lovely. Like, thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Um, I really appreciate how complimentary you are. Although when he played this piece at the end, the outro, he went, hmm, I don't think that music is for everybody, <laughs> oh. but I think it was for Karen Das. <laughs> <laughs> But her fifth album, Avery, it is so luxurious and really sensual and kind of this amazing record of avant-garde pieces trussed up as pop songs, but it could be the other way around. Mm. Um, and she just brings together amazing sonic explorations with a with kind of sweet and lush pop. And I think her music is really complex but irresistible. And um, she has all these literary in influences that she infuses into her work. And she Ooh. kind of brings in references to Buddhism and Pushkin and Anne Sexton, um, Sappho. And her she uses these really interesting techniques, like one's called hocketing, which was used a lot in medieval music. And basically it's just, you find it in nature as well, like birdsong or frogs, um, croaking. And it's it's basically when you have all these instruments or voices um, playing similar melodies, um, but they interrupt each other, kind of mm. like paper cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have this crashing and clattering effect. So it just adds like this amazing texture and layers. So sonically, it's really adventurous, but also really pop and listenable. Listenable. And Julia Holter is coming to Auckland in January with a oh. full band, um, which includes bagpipes. So. Oh my god! I have to tell my friend Michaela. Michaela, if listening, shout out! Yeah, go to the show. It will be amazing. <laughs> so check out her album Avery and um, Have You in My Wilderness, which was the the slightly poppier one. It's quite difficult to categorise her music, but I guess if you like music like broadcast, then you might like Julia Holter. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's true. I like both of those things. Yeah, me too. I was yeah. listening to the BFM ad and I really like the sound of the songs on the yeah. ad. And then I put on one of the albums and I was like, whoa, this is not like the song. Have You In My Wilderness is the one that has the music on BFM. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So. I think I put on the latest album. Yeah, which yeah. is quite experimental yeah. and uses quite harsh frequencies, mm -hmm. which to me are really pleasing, but I think to some people are quite disturbing. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, that's the album you need to listen yeah, to. Yeah, okay, it's cool. So I'll good. do that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. That's my fave. I think you will enjoy it, Jenna, a lot. So um, is that us? I think that, that's us. Yeah. So that means that that is Paper Cuts for 2018. And don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at papercutspod and you can get in touch with us uh, papercutspod at gmail.com or in real life. Thanks to everyone who has talked to us and everyone who's listened to us this year. But we'll be back next year. Don't you worry. Yep. 
Yeah. You can't get away from us. Yeah. Uh, just thank you to everyone who's listened. It's been a hell of a year. It's been really exciting and I'm going to cry because I love you guys Aww. so much. Aww. You guys. You, you too. Uh, like the both, you know, Jenna, Todd and Karen Das, they are, you know, great people to host a podcast with and um, I mm. am going to go and weep now. I feel Aww. really teary too. Um, we're always like this <laughs> on the podcast. But yes, Who didn't any alcohol yet? And also thank you so much to Tina and the spin-off. Thanks for having thanks us for guys. Having us. Yeah. yeah, you guys and putting are awesome. up with us. Yeah. <laughs> and check out the we spin-off just kind of muscled page. our way in yeah. at the start of the year and they've been really great about it. They haven't kicked us out yet. Yeah. So, so awesome. bye for now. Happy summer reading and have a safe and happy Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays. Generic festive greeting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, Kia he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.